You're listening to The Maastricht Diplomat. Hello everyone and welcome to our first podcast. I'm Dorian from the MD and I'm here today with Matt and he's going to be telling us a little bit about the EV batteries industry in Kenya. First, we talk a little bit overall about um, the electric vehicles and their issue with battery waste. And then we move on to a more specific topic, Kenya, and how do they deal with this problem and what should be implemented. Hi, Matt. Torian, hi. Thanks for having <laughs> me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Can you first introduce yourself a little bit? Well, my name is Matt van der Nes, the full name. I'm a 24-year-old South African. I'm currently studying my master's degree at the University of Maastricht. And this is actually a project that me and a few of my peers have been working on over the last couple of weeks to develop sort of a solution or a policy to try and combat some of the issues surrounding electric vehicles and more specifically the recycling of the lithium-ion batteries. Okay, and why do you think that is so important? Because everyone is now super enthusiastic about electric cars. Everybody says that's so vital for the environment and for the future. Why do you think this topic is important now? Well, precisely for that reason, I think that the electric vehicle industry on a global scale is moving at a rapid pace. And I think a lot of people are getting excited about the various environmental benefits that are associated with this. It's sort of moving towards the internal combustion engine that is primarily driven by f different fossil fuels, which are obviously harmful to the environment. So it's looking really to, to try and sort of minimize the damage and those carbon emissions in favor of this cleaner electric vehicle solution. However, why I feel that this is so important and many other people as well is because of how popular this industry is becoming. There are also its own environmental challenges that I think maybe people aren't so aware of. I, for one, certainly wasn't prior to getting involved in this project. So it's really opened my eyes as well. But I think why people aren't really seeing these problems sort of on a general general sense is because that these batteries last for a while, normally between eight to 12 years, and then they can be repurposed or reused, whether in the same function or in, in sort of different modes, such as solar power. We can discuss that a little bit more later. But yeah, so basically the environmental challenges don't feel like such a now problem, but they certainly will be in the future because the disposal of these batteries is quite complex. It's a difficult process and there are hazardous materials that are involved in terms of the disposal. And if it's not done properly, there are serious environmental implications that surround that. So you think it's very important to look at this problem now rather than when we have all these batteries and we don't know what to do to set up proper infrastructure and proper ideas and already have the research behind it to then act quickly? Or do you think the governments and institutions should act now rather than in 10 years? I certainly think sooner rather than later because, as you say, you don't want to sort of be stockpiling these hazardous batteries. And what often tends to happen is that They're just stored in landfills, and that can be particularly dangerous for the communities that surround that. They may poison the land. And once again, because the process is so complex, the people who are actually facilitating these this disposal can also be at risk. So I think that certainly it's, it's much more of a null problem because you'd rather have the infrastructure in place and put the processes 
in play prior before you have this sort of stockpiling of batteries and you can maybe have quite a significant issue if you aren't prepared to deal with it and like i said simply putting in these landfills and storing them there is not really a viable solution at all and in that sense if that is what sort of different countries are doing it kind of offsets all the benefits that people are talking about that come from these electric vehicles so you kind of need to round off the process if we really want to see these environmental benefits and where does this happen because from my perspective the people who are using electric cars are mostly from developed countries like the us or europe but then the batteries are getting not disposed there right so not necessarily and the reason why people are using electric vehicles all over the world but the major difference is that new electric vehicles are generally produced and consumed in developing countries as you say but the market for secondhand vehicles is much bigger in emerging markets and sort of developing countries because consumers don't have the disposable income to buy these products new but there's still a demand for it and then what ultimately ends up happening is that these countries have to deal with end-of-life batteries and this ultimate disposal but they don't have the infrastructure in place to facilitate that but the reason why they have them is because of this second-hand demand and that's really where some of these challenges lie. Okay, this is a very good segue to the paper and to the specific example you're mentioning there, Kenya. So what is the situation there right now? So Kenya in itself is, is pretty much a perfect example of what I've just said. There's a, there's a significant demand for these secondhand vehicles, a lot of them not even four-wheel vehicles, a lot of two- and three-wheelers are quite popular in that market. So yeah, there's a huge demand there. So Kenya is also trying to open itself up to this green transition. The government, I believe the stat is by 2025, is hoping to have 25% of the country's vehicles to be wholly electric. So there's already scope uh, for this green transition and this need for electric vehicles. But once again, they may encounter these challenges of having to dispose of these batteries, particularly because there's such a demand for the secondhand models. Hmm. Okay, interesting. And now you and your colleagues had an approach to a kind of a policy recommendation to tackle this problem. What is this recommendation and what it consists of? So the way that we wanted to look at it, we wanted to sort of narrow it down to one specific country because I think trying to develop one general solution that fits all is not really feasible. I think different things will work for different countries. But yeah, like we said, like I said, Kenya is a suitable market because the government and the country are knowing and willing about this green transition and are actively making moves to facilitate that. So we thought that we should focus in on Kenya and sort of investigate what the possibilities are in terms of setting this infrastructure and sort of equipping the country to deal with these recycling challenges in order to continue to benefit the environment. So in terms of Kenya itself, I mean, the infrastructure is still going to be incredibly expensive to set these processes up and it will be a number of years before these investments will start returning, the return on your investment. I think the number that, or the year that seems most feasible in terms of the turning point is in 2038. But once again, this is a real, real important sort of moment, I think, in this market. There are certainly opportunities that lie there as well. So not only for environmental factors, but if you sort of seize this opportunity and allow yourself to be at the forefront of these recycling this industry so to speak um, a new industry it certainly has economic benefits for the country and um, once again supports that environmental charge that they are pushing okay and 
this recycle process, I saw in the paper that there are a lot of um, different approaches, like cost benefits or how much it would cost to implement this. So you got very in detail about Kenya. Can you tell me a little bit about the conclusion you had, how much it would maybe cost or what the approach would be? Absolutely. So, I mean, the challenge is because there's still a lot of research and development to, to find out what is the most viable solution to actually facilitate this recycling. I won't go too deeply into these details, but there's three different processes, hydrometallurgic, um, pyrometallurgic, and direct, which have differing recovery rates. And once again, there's sort of different levels of sophistication across different countries on how to set these things up and, and make them work effectively. But in terms of Kenya, we really felt that there was a five-step process that they could incorporate within a circular economy. So what we mean by that is they can start implementing certain steps before having to have the whole package. So it's not like they have to make the initial investment and only can start recycling once they have all the infrastructure in place. And the most important sort of step of that process is actually extracting what we call the black mass. Uh, that's sort of breaking down these batteries and you extract this black powder that has graphite, nickel, uh, lithium, and uh, I forget the, the final element. But anyways, you extract these materials, and this is actually the, hazard, the hazardous product. So what can happen at this step of the process is that you can extract this black mass, and then it can be sent on into more sort of sophisticating recycling places maybe in Europe. I think France is at the forefront of that stage of the development at the moment. But having extracted that hazardous material that significantly cuts cuts costs in terms of transportation so the idea is to set up a circular economy whereby they can start developing this infrastructure and contributing at different stages of the recycling process and then ultimately sort of by 2030 i think have their own infrastructure set up to then be facilitating it within kenya another th reason why kenya was such an interesting example and why we think it's an actually a viable option is because of this demand for sort of repurposing the batteries. So there is quite a lot of solar energy that's used in Kenya and these batteries then can be repurposed after their first use to then be used a few times in a different function such as solar energy. And there's quite a lot of that happening in Kenya as well. So it's essentially for Kenya to set up this, this circular economy and they can distribute these batteries in different ways. And once again, sort of extracting the black mass or repurposing them. But ultimately, we also feel that it puts them in a position to seize once again the financial benefits that ultimately will come from this industry as the electric vehicle market continues to grow. Do you think that there are um, spillover effects, meaning that a lot of other countries could implement it? Because you said Kenya would have this advantage of being the first mover and then maybe spread the ideas around other countries, neighboring countries. Did you um, kind of research that a little bit too, to see if there are spillover effects, if this could happen to other countries in Africa? Certainly, I think Kenya wouldn't even be the first example. There's actually a country, uh, I mean, a company in Nigeria, I think it's called Hinkley, and they have partnered with a Chinese entity, and they're also developing sort of a mechanical process that is included in the recycling process that they believe is a feasible, clean and safe solution that can be distributed amongst Africa. So I certainly think the spillover effects are, are there and there's scope for it and it will ultimately be beneficial for the entire region because once again, 
the demand for electric vehicles in these emerging markets is certainly based on those secondhand batteries because of cost constraints. So this is a problem that ultimately will be a factor in the majority of these emerging markets. And those spillover effects will certainly be there. And to then be able to take advantage of that first move advantage that you say will ultimately put you in the position to sort of see those financial gains. That's interesting. Um, do you think that developed countries have a responsibility for not putting their uh, batteries in developing countries? Or do you think this is mainly just a benefit you can do? Or do you think there is another approach that you could say develop two developed countries don't do it or restricting it or do your own recycling? Because from what I've heard now is that these developing countries can benefit greatly from that or in this case, Kenya. But is there another aspect that you could say developed countries should not shift their old batteries to these countries? Well, I think it's a, it's a difficult one because what often happens is, as I've mentioned a few times, is it's there's, there's such a demand there for these second-hand batteries or these second-life batteries because of the cost constraints. So to say sort of to developed countries that you've got to hold your batteries within your own states and repurpose them there and recycle them there, is challenging because then you limit the availability, the supply of these batteries in these countries where there is a demand for it. And we see that even externally beyond the electric vehicle industry, this happens with a lot of different electronic products that are exported to these emerging markets where consumers will get them at a cheaper price. The lifetime then is much shorter. And then once again, it's the same issue of then they're tasked with the disposal, the ultimate disposal of these. But to limit that to developing countries and to sort of hold them accountable or responsible for the disposal and the recycling of that is challenging because then the supply is is severely limited. Um, and as this green transition, this electric vehicle transition continues to grow, as I think it it obviously will over the years to come, it's it doesn't seem feasible to me to try and limit the distribution of these batteries. Ultimately, it's hard to say what percentage of the batteries are are usable and how long they can be used for. I think it's difficult to to source the data on it, but I just think that's the nature of the market in this day and age. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, electric vehicle companies have maybe a, also an incentive to foster this process because ultimately this is going to be a problem for them in the future and I think they will or they are already aware of it. I mean, there's some pub publicly saying it but in the future this will be a problem as you said um do you think that electric vehicle companies like i don't know tesla or all of the car companies who are now looking at electrical vehicles and having them already that they're looking at maybe an alternative process especially in emerging markets and maybe could also helping them to develop an infrastructure do you see there maybe a partnership or a connection or something like that I certainly, if I revisit the example of Kenya that we've primarily been looking at, a lot of multinationals are actually looking to partner up with, with local players in the Kenya market to set up infrastructure, sort of charging stations around the country. There's a Finnish multinational in particular that are looking to transition the entire fleet to electric vehicles within Kenya, and they are extending investment to setting up the required infrastructure. So I certainly think that multinationals Uh, are aware of the challenges, certainly, but once again, also of the opportunities that are presented by these emerging markets through the reuse, reuse of these batteries and also sort of different models and different levels of demand. Once again, coming to the example of Kenya with the two and three wheelers, there's scope there for different products. I believe 
new models of two and three wheelers are developed every two or three years in that market. So once again, I think that these multinationals probably have recognized that and reckon, uh, recognize the ability to sort of differentiate some products and, and penetrate these markets through joint partnership. And once again, I think if governments are open to it, it'd be beneficial to them. And I certainly think that the Kenyan government from what we've seen thus far is certainly ready to invite this investment from these multinationals. I think their intervention in that regard is limited and they are welcoming these sort of partnerships and the development of that infrastructure. Mm. I think customers also have to be aware of this, have to be aware when they buy an electric vehicle of the waste. I think it got sometimes because it's mentioned in the media and it's got a bad rap because these batteries always get quote-unquote dumped in emerging markets and as you mentioned under very dangerous uh, circumstances people have to extract them is very dangerous for a lot of workers um, but as you said there is a new approach to this and you can actually benefit from it and not maybe think twice about buying an electric vehicle because in the end you would also say buy electric vehicles because for the future of the environment it's very vital and important But to keep them in mind is also something to be aware of as a customer, right? Absolutely. I think it's it's important to remain aware of that and just to be aware of the real-world implications of these markets. As you mentioned, not all of the batteries that are sent into these emerging markets are functioning properly. It's it's very difficult, I think, to sort of have checks and balances to, to see that the correct batteries are being distributed. I think, once again, coming back to that demand that anything and everything is getting sent and as this industry grows bigger and bigger that's going to continue to happen but if we also look at the example of india it's important for these markets or these countries to position themselves strategically because these electric batteries also require their own raw materials particularly lithium which we know is there's not really an abundant supply of that globally and i think there's a lot of challenges as to how we can extract lithium and that's why this recycling is going to be so important because lithium is an unlimited. So in the example of India, they are really looking at developing these recycling infrastructures to actually limit their dependency on importing lithium and other features of the battery from other countries. So to try and make it actually sustainable uh, within their own market and that is what we feel is so important about this is that if you can establish these recycling facilities, you can not be entirely sustainable, but it certainly decreases your dependency on other countries. And as this market grows, we feel that can only be beneficial to you. You see a lot of conflicts around the world about resources, especially which are needed for electric batteries. You see a lot of, um, especially now with Taiwan and China, and you see it in, in different countries with, the, with resources that some countries needed, and they're just looking ahead into the future and see, oh, this is the new resources we need for the future. And now there are conflicts. And with this approach, maybe these would decrease these conflicts by a lot, by a lot, definitely. I certainly think so. And I think, yeah, once again, just strategically, just to be able to position yourself in such a way in a new market that seems to me will only go from strength to strength to, yeah, to limit that dependency certainly benefits you strategically. And I think... Yeah, it, it renders you to be less vulnerable to sort of competing countries. Um, and yeah, I just think it's it's feasible, it's strategic, and it's one again, once again environmentally friendly. And I think it's it will be a fundamental part of a lot of countries' development going forward. 
maybe shifting a little bit more to the um, electric vehicles companies, do you think they should be more honest about the batteries? Because right now they're not really giving you a lot of information, um, not, not very transparent with their supply chain. Do you think they should be more honest about this or do you think that the backlash would actually hurt the environment overall too hard? I must say that's that's an interesting question and it's difficult to really say with 100% certainty. I think that as people of the world, we always are looking for more transparency from from big market players and, and large multinationals. Whether we will ever get that is is hard to say and I don't know if that's particularly realistic. But I think that's a part of what really gripped us in this project is that it's important for people to realize the the consequences that are relating to this electric vehicle push and I think people are really looking to get involved in and push this market and I think maybe individuals who are buying electric vehicles are quietly patting themselves on the back and and rightly so it's certainly a clean and sort of environmentally friendly solution but ultimately it's very important to be aware of these consequences and these risks Will we receive that from these multinationals? I doubt it. And that's maybe why current research in this field is important. And it's important for it to be publicly available so people are aware of the challenges and so we can sort of start the conversation. It's certainly something that I wasn't aware of prior to to getting involved in this research. And it's been something that's been incredibly interesting. And there is scope. I mean, it's certainly possible to manage this. And I think as we progress, as the world moves forward, There'll certainly be cheaper and more sophisticated ways to facilitate these recycling processes. How long that takes, I'm not sure, but it's certainly important for us to raise awareness. But I don't, I don't see that necessarily coming from these multinationals if they will sort of take sole responsibility of that. That would be great and beneficial, mm. but realistically, I'm not sure if that really will be the case. Of course, it's, um, it's, at the end, it's a business. It's a business for them. But I think you wrapped this up very nicely. Is there anything left to say to the audience? Would you want to mention to get off your chest about the report? Is there anything left you want to tell everyone? Well, I think I would encourage people to, to read up and, and continue learning and understanding about the topic if you are interested, if it does does take your fancy. And I think just in terms of the report, if you're interested in looking at the numbers, we we looked at a model that was already developed in terms of setting up our cost structures and we developed sort of an optimistic and more sort of pessimistic forecast. So if you're interested in that, I would certainly encourage you to have a look at the paper and to, to really see the numbers behind it. Of course, there's desk work and there's, and there's work on the ground. Whether the, the, it's feasible in the real world is, is difficult to say. I mean, we would need someone to, to implement it and whether that happens or not is, is probably a little bit unlikely. But it's certainly interesting. So I think I would just encourage listeners to delve deeper, start talking about this, and, and yes, just remain aware of of the environmental challenges that lie ahead in this green transition because it is tricky. And it's certainly something that's very topical in the world today, uh, sort of the green transition. But I think it's important to sort of look at these things from all angles. And I hope that our paper and our research has, has helped people do that and just shed some light on something that I believe will become increasingly topical as this industry develops. Beautifully put. And a nice ending as well. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you for being here. And thank you for everyone who's listening. And thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned. The music for this podcast episode has been produced by Stone Ocean. This episode has been written by Dorian Müller and Matt von den Eist. Audio technician, Sharel Abdullah. 
And this episode has been edited by Dorian Muller. Talk to you soon.